original reggae tunes for you on a Monday, you know, to, to brighten up your week, to take you nicely into the week on a nice vibes. And then on Friday, we have a reggae uprising selector, which basically what I do is pick one of the seven reggae selections from the podcast that you're listening to now, uh, which has been selected by my guests. And I sing them for you on a Friday to take you into the weekend nicely. Like I said earlier, if you want to get caught up on any of my other shows, all you need to do is go to Daniil Music on any social media platform or you can go to daniil.co.uk. I will also leave those links in the description for you so you can just click and go through. As this is the last day of September and as we all know in the UK, Black History Month is October. If you or somebody you know has some great knowledge to share on our history, please get in touch via my contact page on my website, daniil.co.uk, so that we can get you on the show and share your wisdom with all of our community. Right, I think it's about time we got started with today's guest's first selection, which is Barrington Levy. has worked on a variety of sound systems, is a conscious artist and has also supported our community in his works for men for positive change and voice against crime. I would like to welcome this week's guest, Mikey Radical. Greetings and welcome, Mikey Radical. Greetings, Daniel. Um, Yes, I'm really um, appreciate you inviting me to the show this evening. So welcome to everybody who's tuning in. Um, it's good um, to share with you um, experience in music and life and everything else. So yes, blessed love to each and every one. Give thanks always. Um, can you tell us the reason for that first selection we just heard? Yeah, well, the reason for me um, choosing this track, um, as a, a youngster, you know, a local youth man, I used to listen to Barrington Levi, uh, a number of tunes. And then he he was very inspirational and, you know, a very conscious artist. And uh, and I was always into the conscious artist. And 
Um, so yeah, Barrington Levi for me when he when he sang this true and are you with there? Are you with there? Fighting for survival. You know, it just it just resonated to me that you know um it's all about survival, especially in this time. You know, we're fighting for survival. We know about coronavirus and everything what's going on in the world today, and it is a fight for survival. Um, so yeah, it, it just it's something that. Even as a youth, you know, when we were going through, we used to go through some struggles as a youth. And um, we used to hear about struggles in certain parts of the world as a youngster. And it just, it really kind of got to me, you know, that life is about survival. You know, when I look at the animals um, in the in certain parts of the world that have to fight for survival, it says we're no different. We, our fight is a little bit different, but yes, we have to fight for survival, but we're still here. And Ayawide just sits with me, right? You know what I mean? Ayawide, Ayawide, fighting for survival. Okay. As I ask all of my guests, as we are people of the diaspora, can you please tell us your heritage? My heritage, I'm British born, um, but I have a love and a passion for Jamaican. Some people say, boy, you sound like you sound like a Jamaican, you know, even when I go to Jamaica. They say, nah, man, you're not come from England. A Jamaica, you come from? And I say, nah, I'm born and bred in... In England, but as from a, a local youth, uh, um, this is sort of to do with my music and the inspiration I got from certain artists in Jamaica when I was growing up. You Mandel, you know, um, um, the, the people like Yellowman and you know, and uh, Lieutenant Stitchy, you know, and listening to certain artists back in the day, Israel Vibration, you know, there's many more. Um, I just got that inspiration from reggae music and the culture and the liberty um and i just wanted to go to jamaica you know i just i just say to my parents i want to go to jamaica i want to go to jamaica um at, at 17 and I, I saved up my money and got a little help from you know my mother and she you know put together and went to jamaica for the first time and it just blew my mind the lifestyle and the culture just fitted in with my heartbeat you know and um yeah so, yes, even though I'm British-born, but I consider myself a Jamaican-born, you know, yeah. So are your yeah. parents Jamaican heritage then? They are indeed, yes. They're my, my, my parents came from Chilani, um, or close to Montego Bay, yeah. Okay, okay. So you kind of touched on um, your musical influences growing up. What music can you remember being played in your household growing up? So what were the mu- what was the music that your parents were listening to that you can remember growing up? They used to listen to the ska. You know, I remember, I always remember the ska, you know. Um, and my, my uncle used to come to the house and he used to be like in this kind of playing some music. They always used to, funny enough, they always used to sound the same, you know, he used to be doing chiki, a chiki, a chiki, a chiki, you know, doing all that stuff and, you know, um, and so that was kind of the beat, you know, the flavour there that was into the ska and then he kind of moved on to, I heard, Bob Marley, you know, where you had songs like, steer it up, little darling, steer it up. So my parents used to love them tunes, you know, so, it was kind of those genes, and then you have Ken Booth and people like that, you know. So I got very inspired by certain Jamaican artists, and it was always back to Jamaican artists. I never listened to nothing else really apart from Jamaican artists, you know. So that's how I grew up, you know, knowing. 
So was it a bit of a culture clash at school then? Because you were into all of your Jamaican artists. What was the music that other children were listening to at school? And did that affect how you guys interacted? Do you kind of stick in your groups as to what music you listened to? What was that like at school? Um, not really. I mean, predominantly, um, most of my friends were into like um, hip hop and funk, you know, um, music you know and you know and sort of like the traditional sort of english pop songs um but then you used to have one or two of us uh, probably sharing the same background so um we used to listen to reggae music and you know we had so yeah um it just so happened that i kind of fitted in anyway you know i mean we all kind of gelled together even though we had differences in culture and everything else but it didn't really cause a problem no Okay, and before we go on to your next selection, can you remember any of the sayings that your parents used to use when you were growing up that kind of just ring in your ears now or maybe you even use now? Um, I would say some of the sayings, they used to say certain things like, um, um, if you're not trying hard, you're going to turn good for nothing, you know? So that was kind of something that, you know, um, was uh, always kind of stuck in my head. You know, if I don't try hard in life, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna turn good for nothing. You know what I mean? So um, there was other things like you know, um, uh, you know, you as a, as a as a black young person, they used to say, you know, say you're black, you know, so you have to go try harder than the white man. You know, so so it was kind of those things that kind of stuck. Uh, in my head, um, whether they were right or wrong, but uh, in some cases, we do <laughs> have to try a little bit harder. Um, and and it was more, I, thought, I think it was some, some more relevant then at that time. And now there's more equal rights and, you know, there's opportunities for black people. But back then, you know, um, yeah, we were more discriminated uh, when it comes to jobs and certain uh, college places and etc. So, yeah, certain things they used to say to us kind of stuck to me. And you know, yeah, don't bring trouble, come at the doorstep. You know what I mean? So, them kind of things. So we used to kind of think, yeah, I don't want to get in trouble because the police might come and knock my door, and then my mom's gonna beat me with the belt. So, kind of certain things kind of stuck um, with me personally, anyway, as a youth growing up. Okay, we're going to move on to your next selection, which is Freddie McGregor, Big Ship. Why did you choose this selection? Well, Freddie, I've actually met Freddie a few times. Um, I was part part of a, um, well, I was, a, I was part of an organisation, the Call of Twelve Tribe of Israel, which used to go up and down the country and used to have a lot of artists. Bob Marley was part of the Twelve Tribe organisation. Dennis Brown was um, Freddie McGregor was so you had a lot of artists uh, uh, and so so when I was growing up being a, a Rasta youth you know I, I they were my they were my role models if you like you know and inspiration in terms of culture and speaking um, almost like prophecy and many of the artists used to speak of and sing of um, so yeah I looked to Freddie McGregor and even knowing him and meeting him a few times how very inspirational he was and when he used to sing songs like Big Ship Sail Over the Ocean I mean I need no commotion you know it was like I want peace in my life 
you know what I mean? So it was a message that kind of s- stuck with me all my life, really, you know, that, you know, whenever I'm going through certain, certain artists uh, may come back to me, even just in general lifestyle, it might just pop into my head, I mean, I need no commotion, and it's just, yeah, that's Freddie McGregor, you know what I mean? So they, I get certain reminders from certain artists of certain stamp, stamping messages that they left for us um, to be inspired by. Here we go with Freddie McGregor, Big Shit. Say when I'm ready, you must hold on steady. We're moving off at lightning speed, yeah. Take a seat and wait till I'm ready. I'm coming, so hold on steady, yeah. Big shit sailing on the ocean. experiences with music how did you you know get into the industry can you tell us about your first kind of experiences with music uh, my first experiences with music um well it's, it's 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 as far as i can remember maybe going back to when i was like three years old you know and i remember you know my parents used to have um house parties you know when there was a birthday or special occasions, they used to move out all the furniture. Um, I don't know if you probably remember those days or if you have experienced that, where they move out all the furniture into one room and then they used to have all their friends and family members come into the one, cramp into the one room and with a little stereo, um, when in fact it was called the gram, you know, the, the radio grams, you know, with a little, um, little uh, deck, you know, and they used to have the 45 or the LP. Um, so those were my experiences. Um, in fact, I used to make cardboard boxes, me and another friend, you know, and kind of, because we wasn't probably allowed to use the gram at that time to cost so much money. So we kind of imitated that we were playing music on a gram, but it was made out of cardboard box. And we used to kind of hum tunes that we grew up on, 
you know. So, yes, this is probably as young as three years old, I have kind of um, knowledge that I was can see myself in the living room dancing with with the big people, and I can kind of recall some of them saying, go to your bed, Pitney, you look up, Pitney, go to your bed, go upstairs, you know, because um, at that time, you know, parents never had, had kind of babysitters to watch us watch us at night or stay somewhere else. So you used to be upstairs listening to the music and you used to try and sneak out and see your parents. And they used to have their little dance together and, you know, the, the, you know, drinking and everything else. So, you know, we used to kind of get involved with that kind of thing. And so, yeah, that's kind of my first experience of music and what it was all about. And can you tell us a little bit more about your involvement with the sound systems? Yeah, well, my involvement in the sound system started from an early age, probably as, as young as 10, 11, when uh, my, my, my older brother um, had a sound system in Wolverhampton called a Mighty Crab Sound. And they we used, they used to play at blues parties next door to my house. And, and it's something that I'm not kind of proud of, but it's part of my, my um, history, if you like. Um, I used to sneak out late at night, probably 11 o'clock when I school next day, but I used to sneak out and go next door into the blues party. And, you know, some big men who were like kind of gatekeepers used to say to me, what are you doing here? You know, go your yard. You know what I mean? You need to sleep. And some of the big men who probably a bit careless used to say, well, let's do you, man, man. Make him come in and enjoy himself. So I used to go to kind of sneak into blues next door and stuff like that. Um, and then it kind of, um, move fast forward. It kind of went on to dance halls where there was clubs in the weekend. I used to sneak into the clubs, like when when they were go, going into the clubs with with the big sound boxes. I used to kind of duck underneath the sound boxes and creep into creep into the into the clubs and hide into um, hide into a, a toilet area or a bathroom area until the dance was in full swing and then I used to come out when the lights were switched off and it was dark uh, and then you see this look of you man which was me uh, dancing on the dance floor dancing in a corner and there were, at that time there was probably only me and probably two other youth men who of my age who were on the dance floor and we was like 12, 13 but we would be in the club or in the dance hall dancing you know so that's my experience and then watching sound systems play the music um, kind of brought a great interest to me as I think to myself yeah man I love the way they're jamming on the sound system and saying you know things like and you, you know hear the musical twist they make you jump and run and all and kind of look at jazz is what they used to say you know and and I was thinking oh man I love that kind of vibes and you ride with this local slang is what he used to say on the microphone and it's a love some things and I was like oh man this is brilliant um, so yeah it kind of escalated from there really where I just felt to myself yeah man this is this is me I want to be part of a sound system I want to be part of um, even having the mic and doing the things that I've seen um, my family members that like I mentioned earlier my uncle with his local when he used to play this guy going I kid you I kid you I kid you play the musical sound to make you run around you know big things and I thought to myself yeah man that's what I want to do I, I want to hold a mic and have fun and enjoy myself and you know feel some vibes from the music so that's where kind of um, 
my history and my upbringing really in, in terms of music and sound systems, um, which brings me to a point where, you know, I began chatting mics myself. Um, some call it DJing or rapping nowadays, they call it spitting bars or whatever they call it. Um, but that brings me up to that point really, to be honest, in my life. Okay, um, we are going to move on to more of um, your musical works, but for now we're going to move on to your next selection, which is Bob Marley, Three Little Birds. Why did you pick this selection? Oh, this this track is so big. It's so big. I mean, it's so calming, um, reassuring. Um, it, 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 it carries so much weight of... Um, of peace uh, and love and not and not worrying about anything in life um it, it's saying like don't be fearful um it's saying be encouraged you know it's saying be strong you know it's saying be like the three little birds you know um just sing and just enjoy your life and don't worry about a thing and so it, it it's it's a powerful um song really to encourage um people in general so yeah my reason for one of my greatest kind of hits was from bob marley and this track here yeah here we go with bob marley three little birds with sound systems in sound systems did you progress to other areas of the music industry you mentioned earlier about you know your DJing um, can you tell us a little bit more about that and the progression well yes in a progression yeah I mean I've always kept that consciousness and uh, about me and been inspired by consciousness um, and culture you know and it so happened that when um, my life got transformed by when I became a Christian about, say, 15 years ago. Um, so I had a complete switch in my life. And um, the 
music never left me in terms of reggae music and the culture and the liberty and the consciousness and everything. That never left me, always being with me, you know, and even today it's still with me. So, you know, I I kind of, because of my change of lifestyle and becoming a Christian, I thought to myself, now nah, this is something that I no longer want to do, pick up the microphone and um, do what I used to do, going to dance halls and going to blues parties and holding the mic and you know, um, bringing a vibe to people, you know, um, I thought, nah, it's not what I want to do. My life's changed now. Sorry to interrupt. But, but, what was the catalyst to make you make such a, a you know, a different change, uh, such a change? Well, my life was really going down on a downward spiral, really, um, in terms of drug use and, you know, um, womanizing and, you know, being under threat from, um, from gang rivals and things like that, you know. So I it I came to a point where I thought to myself, I felt I felt lost and I felt kind of even though I had everything, I mean I, I managed to hold down always managed to hold down employment and, you know, I had my own home and I had my transport and everything. But it wasn't enough. I felt I felt the emptiness I had you know, I thought I had everything, but then I felt at times I had nothing, and I thought to myself, "Nah, there's something, there's something more I need to life than this. I feel empty, you know." And then, and I've always been a searcher, you know, and I've searched through, you know, being a raster youth and everything, and I and I was kept on searching and searching, uh, and it just so happened that um, when I um, sort of got uh, in communication with believers from uh, a church that I used to go to in Warsaw um, that I found that yeah man this is the life that I want I need something that that is a bit deeper than where I've been before in terms of um, living a holy and righteous life um, putting away the things um, that are worthless putting away the things that cause me to sin um, so then that's when I realized, yeah, I need to put away these things. Uh, and and so it came, to, it, it kind of came to pass there where I, I went to a church one morning. I was at the dance hall maybe the week before and went to a church and I was in this church and, and I just felt, a, I just felt like a pull. Um, uh, and the pastor said to me, would you like to be saved? Would you like to baptize and, uh, and you know, your life transform with that? I said yes at the time because I was I felt the spirit of God upon me. But then, when I when the prayer ended, um, and he asked me, "You ready?" and I says, "What? You ready for what?" and he says, "Ready to to be saved." I says, "Me," uh, and I realised what I, I was getting into, and I says, "Me? No, 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 not me." And he says, "Oh, okay." And then it's like I heard a voice in my spirit saying, "But God ain't gonna wait on no man." You know, uh, and then I turned to him and I said, actually, I think I am ready. I just felt that that, that pull to say, you need to change your life. You know, you, you need to stop what you're doing, you know. Um, so I said, okay, yeah. Um, so without any preparation or anything, I just gave my life to God. And I came home and everything felt different, you know. And my drug use and everything kind of just straight away um, just seemed to I just seemed to have that control over everything. Uh, I remember picking up my phone and 
or, uh, and ringing some of the girls that I used to have, be involved with and saying, oh, you know what, sorry, but I can't see you no more, you know. People, girls used to be ringing me up and saying, what's happened? You know, uh, I haven't heard from you. And I said, sorry, babe, I, I can't see you no more. You know what I mean? What are you talking about? And I said, no, no, I've changed. I've got saved you. And they couldn't believe it because they knew what kind of person I was. So it kind of happened that um, I realized how much I've been touched by that spirit. And I thought to myself, you know what? This is the Holy Spirit, man, because this is where I want to control over my life and my life is a downward spiral. I couldn't even go into my house at time at night time because I'm looking left and right, looking whether there's going to be gang rivals looking for me. Um, so it got to that point where uh, I, I needed something to save my life uh, and, and God showed up in my life when I needed it most. Um, so yeah, I, 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 w I was in the church and as I'm in the church now, you know, um, there was a concert a few months after me joining the church and there was a look of thing and somebody said, somebody, I don't know how it came about, but somebody said, don't you chat the mic? You know, or used to chat the mic because I probably did a testimony before and said the things that I used to do and I said, yeah. They said, how, how well the mic, man? And it was, so there was a the music, but they, they used to play like reggae in the church. So I thought, okay, I hold the mic and then I put a vibes, but it was it was a change. I converted the lyrics that I had probably in the world and converted it um, into a into a, a sort of conscious lyrics. Um, and it was called um, uh, what was it called? Now uh, it was it was about um, it was a warning. Mother and father them bawling, never hearken to them warning. No, you end up in a yukafin. Hear what they radical sing. So it, it kind of, so it was it was almost me singing to myself. It was a warning, you know. Um, I need to make changes in my life. Um, so with that with that change now and and with that lyrics, I had a few people saying to me, "Yeah, man, you can chat my man." The point, and some people then said, "You're radical, man." So. That name just stuck, Radical for Christ, you know, so that's where, and because my first name is Mikey, they just put it together and say, yeah, my Mikey Radical. So anytime there was a concert, they say, Mikey Radical. So then people started booking me because they started to write some conscious, like, Christian gospel lyrics, and people started to book me here and there to come and um, perform at the concerts. So that's where it kind of led to me, led me in terms of still being involved in the music scene and everything else. What a journey. Oh, my gosh. Um, we are going to keep with that journey. But for now, I want to um, play another one of your selections, Garnet Silk, Zion in a Vision. Can you tell us why yeah. you chose this one? Just like, you know, uh, as, a, as a title speaks for itself, and they all do, you know, Zion in a Vision, um, God is calling us. Um, you know, he's calling us to a higher place in him. You know, and, um, you know, and that song kind of, even at them times, even now, it kind of, it kind of makes you realize that there's a, there's a higher, higher force that we, you know, we need to, to get to in him, you know. So when it says Zion in a vision, um, it wasn't just for me, but it, it, as he says, it's for everyone. You know, I, I always can look at that and there's certain things that remind you 
certain songs like that, even to now. And I said, why? These guys must have had an insight. And there, there were people that were, were spiritual because they knew the Bible. You know, they used to read the Bible. They knew the Word of God. You know, and, and I think they got inspired by the Word of God to write their music. Um, so, yeah, he took lift me, um, you know, and when he talked about Zion, you know, and Zion is like, we, we relate that to heaven. You know, it's for everyone. And he, and he even said, he's talking about a perfect reunion, meaning that when we get to Zion, there's going to be that perfect union. So all, your, all the people that had righteous and holy living will be together in that perfect reunion. So he's like, it's, it's like a beckoning, it's like a call. Come, you know, there's a greater place for us. Yeah. Here we go with Garnet Silk, Zion in a Vision. artist can you tell us more about your works your experiences and where your music has taken you yeah well my work and experience as i said you know i i'm a gospel uh reggae artist because reggae can never leave me you know i'm born in it and growing at it breathing at it you know what i mean so yes um this is what i do and it's part of my culture and my history but it's with a different team it's with a conscious vibe you know in christianity in gospel you know so um my, 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 most of my lyrics does uh it's about encouraging other people um to be uh, to be fearless um to be inspired by god to be um to be strong in god you know so and it's it's so it has a lot of positive messages so most of my lyrics is all about encouragement and, you know, and uplift 
my lyrics that come that come to me or you know I've never had a lyrics that doesn't come to me where it's not encouraging me or encouraging somebody else um, so yeah I, I started off and I made my first uh, album called um, called uh, it was called Rise Up um, and it basically was about Christian people rise up um, and it, so all the messages in there was about rise up so people who call themselves Christians who wasn't right it's about time you rise up it's about time you change your ways it's about time you became true you know because not everybody who says Lord Lord is one of his so most of my messages was about that really in the album and then my second album that I made was called Too Blessed to be Stressed um which really is another upliftment that there was tracks like fear, um, which is false evidence appearing real, so don't get caught up by the fear element of life. Uh, there was another track called Faith, um, that that is nothing impossible, you know, all things are made possible when you believe in God. Um, and then there was the Too Blessed to be Stressed. Um, so um, don't forget, and it was a message, that, and it's quite simple, you're too blessed to be stressed. There was another one called them not nice like we, you know what I mean, but we have to share the message with equality. So there was a, there was, it's it's all an inspirational album, you know, uh, and most recently, um, I wanted to release this single last, with a singer that was from the world as well, he's a pastor now, his name's Owen, Owen Uriah, um, and I, I did a combination with him, and it's a, a, a old D. Brown, Dennis Brown track, um, uh, Trouble, in the world, um, the world is in trouble. Uh, living ain't easy, you know. And I come out with my bars and start speaking my lyrics up and um, kind of emphasize why life isn't easy and the troubles that I have. But then in the message, is kind of giving me, it's giving people hope um, that in God there is a future, there is a brighter future. So that's where I'm at, really, in terms of the journey that God has brought me through musically okay i couldn't think of a better intro to your track here we go with mikey radical troubled world the bible tells us that man that is born of a woman his days are few and full of trouble the whole world's in trouble mikey radical yeah. your right to believe me the world is true 
I say the world is trouble. East, west, north, and south, and all about. You got to believe me. As well as all the works that you've just shared with us involving the music industry, you're also involved in two community groups, Men for Positive Change and Voice Against Crime. Please, can you tell us more about these works? Yes, well, um, first to start off with um, Voice Against Crime. Um, uh, um, Talking to a a brother of mine over the phone, uh, a Christian brother, Within the world as well, X sound man, big sound called Sifa uh, in Birmingham. So it was a big, big sound, you know. And um, but he obviously his life got transformed as well, similar to mine, you know, walking into the church. And you know, he was at the point where his life was going spiral, you know, downward spiral. So yeah, so similar experience. And we became good friends because of our other experiences. And one day he was talking on the phone, and he was telling me about all the crime and violence. And, you know, you black youth against black youth, and you know, we was kind of saying how tired we was, and and then I don't know how. He, well, we know how it came about. It was the inspiration of God, I, I, and he, he mentioned about John in the wilderness, you know. And then I said, um, "There's a voice," and he said, "Voice crying out in the wilderness," and I said, "Yeah, man, this is what we need. This is about voice against crime." And straight away, he just said, "Yes, that's the one. Voice against crime." Um, so then it so happened that he um, formed this group called Voice Against Crime. And uh, go, we started um, when whenever there was something that needed diffusing, we would go um, to those individuals where there was gang warfare and tension. And we used to, uh, what we still do, we talk to some of the youth and say, look, you know, Wagwan, you know what I mean? And, because we're from, we we were, we was originally from the street. We kind of know the twang, and we know what how they how they feel, and they respond to us because we know the thing. We was we, we wasn't always um, innocent. You know, we was rebels ourselves. So we, they relate to us, and we say, you know, we'll give them positive encouragement and kind of show them some truths and everything else. And some and some of them thank us so much. They're so grateful, and we used to go to their parents' house. We've been involved where there's where there's. Uh, there's been gang warfare and somebody's been a victim, you know, the, the family's lost the son or someone and we've gone to the house and we've sat with the parents to, con- you know, to to give them our condolences and we give them, a, you know, two bags of shopping and, and some money or something, you know, just to show them, look, we care and there are men in the world that are genuine men that really care and will, you know, for our youth, you know, we are the fathers of our towns and cities so and and a lot of them used to love that because they say well like, these guys don't even know us and they're showing us so much love um but we realize there's so much of our youth that are either, are either in gangs that are um in prisons or dead so we realized that we had to do something we had to contribute somewhere in our community towards this and similar they're the group that i'm in uh, make a positive change. Similar again, we do the same work. Um, and recently, we we started a a bike club. Um, so what we're doing, we're 
exciting to even young men to join us on bike rides where we go canal riding and we're planning to have a big trip where we're going to be going um, from one end of the country to the other end but we get a mini bus with the bikes and we're going to stop over and so whatever youth comes with us there will be around big men so we can share our experience with them and share positive inspiration with them and show them some truth and how to become men so it speaks for itself men for positive change you know so some of the work i'm doing is around just our care and our contribution to our towns and our you know the people in our cities yeah so if anybody wanted to get either involved or get any support from either of those two groups how would they go about doing that there's there's there's, there's internet we're on the so we're on social media so if they don't have to put voice against crime or men for positive change and they'll get information come up in regards to who we are and who they can contact okay and obviously i will be putting those links in the description as well for you um we're going to move on to your next selection fade away junior biles why did you pick this selection <laughs> this is a big 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 chap you know um It's it's kind of this this song really is about you know um, you know uh, when you read the Bible it talks about Solomon you know and everything is vanities of vanities says the preacher you know that if we have to realize that man is only here for a short time you know um, and everything will fade away you know and while we're here on the land we have to do good as much good as we can you know um, so again it's another positive statement you know um um that all the wrongs have to fade away you know um and we have to live upright you know and and be right with god you know so you know and very inspirational again you know i'm sure these artists were hearing from god you know i mean where to write such powerful songs and um, uplifting songs you know so yeah these kind of songs just definitely stay with me Here we go with Fade Away Junior Biles. You seek of only vanity and no love for humanity shall fade away. Fade away. He who checks for only wealth and not for his physical health shall fade away. Fade away. Diamonds and pearl And feel like they're on top of the world They shall fade away Hear what I say The rich is getting richer every day And the little that the poor man got It shall be taken away Do you hear what I say? Yeah, hear what I say The man who worships silver and gold Shall surely, surely, surely lose his own soul 
Right. Um, we are coming near to the end of the interview, but I just wanted to touch on before we go, as I feel it is really important. Obviously, all the works that you do are important, whether they are, you know, your music or your community works. Um, but yeah. on speaking to you before this interview, um, you let me know that you also do works with the homeless. And obviously, with the pandemic and everything that's going on in the world, I wanted to get a little bit of an insight into the effect on that community and maybe possible things that people can do to help. Yeah, um, the homeless is a, is a, is a wide area. Um, there's so many people homeless. We see it on the news all the time. Um, the government, you know, to be honest and to be fair, the government has done a lot for homeless people since the pandemic. You know, if you if you walk some of our towns and cities now, there's there's less homeless people on the streets. Um, they've all been accommodated, and that's due to protect the public. Um, because if there's people roaming around that are uh, homeless, then it could spread infections, and their 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 immunity is quite low anyway because they're living on the street where it's cold, so they're going to get colds and coughs and sneezes and stuff like that. So, um, so I suppose the the government has protected homeless people, uh, and what we're finding, but what we're finding in contrast to that, there's a lot of people that had homes um, are becoming homeless too. Um, because they there's they've been in such a lot in it they've been in a lockdown for such a long period of time, and I would say is it seven months now or whatever. Um and you find that people being in each other's faces and being in, being under the same roof, you know. So I, I feel it for some some of the clientele that I work with, because some of them live in like a, a little flat, you know, with, with three, four kids and, you know, and, Imagine where you know they're on they're on a twelfth floor or sixteenth floor. There's no garden and they've got three kids running around and there's there's two adults you know and they're in each other's space all the time you know. Eventually, there's something's gonna kick off you know where there's arguments you know and I don't want to live with you. So then you find that one person's had enough or there's domestic violence happening in the home now because of the result of stress and anxiety with everything that's going on. So then somebody leaves or the, or the, you know, mother leaves with the children or the father walks out or something. And then you find that somebody's homeless because of it, you know. And so it's wide and it's broad in terms of homelessness. Uh, and the mental health comes with it as well. A lot of people that I'm coming into con- contact with in connection with, they're, they're suffering with mental health, mental health in such a big way. Um, because the stress factor, I mean, no money is a big issue as well. You know, the system doesn't help when it comes to um, benefits as well, you know, being suspended or waiting for a benefit payment when things have changed. You know, you could be waiting two, three months without no money and then having to live on food bank food, which is not always the best, um, especially for somebody who's of ethnic minority, you know, who's a black person, I know somebody who I was working closely with that I support, and, and he, he just wanted black Caribbean food, but, you know, the food banks are, are not supplying that. You know, what their supply really is all these tin foods and, you know, um, foods that are not really that, as a black person would say, you know, that it's edible for me, you know what I mean? So it's a struggle there, you know, and having no money.
money for anything, you know, especially if they smoke or they drink, they've got no money. The frustrations build up even more because they've got nothing, they've got no lifestyle. They've got nothing that, you know, they can afford to buy, you know, and they're having to live on the rations and then, you know, uh, and then they're split up from their, their family settings, you know, it, it's, it's, it brings a lot of stress and anxiety. You know, so I see a lot of that. You know, I've been involved in cases where you know they've been. It's been quite. Um, it's been quite dramatic in terms of um, how angry people have become. You know, with each other, um, and I and sometimes I, I am actually involved in um, diffusing situations where somebody could harm themselves, or you know, um, or harm others because of how they're feeling about this pandemic and everything else that has sort of befallen us really, yeah. So to end on a more positive note, um, what services are available to people that they can reach out for support? Um, they, I mean, a lot of people go to local authorities still. You know, local, local authority is always there to assist as much as they they can, there are um, they are um, homeless projects uh, across Birmingham and you know across major cities where um, they have supported housing for homeless people or people with mental health. Um, so yeah, the support there's quite a lot of support out there to be honest, really, in supporting certain individuals. Um, and a lot of it really is at the is at the, the tap of a finger. Really, if you just Google uh, and tap in services for homeless, tap in services for mental health, a list of numbers will come up. You know, so there is quite a lot of support there. You know, if people really want it, um, there is support there. Okay, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom uh, this week with all of us. We are going to finish off with your final selection, Dennis Brown, yeah. Revolution. Tell us a bit about why you chose this final selection. Uh, revolution. Uh, revolution is, I mean, it's all around us. It speaks for itself again, you know. I mean, we're living in a revolution. and um, And again, you know, revolution is... Everything that's happened, you know, the conflicts, the, the 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 arguments with politics, and you know, everything, you know, is causing a revolution. It's causing an upset. Um, but then the encouragement is, you know, that we, you know, we have to stand up against the revolution. We have to speak out, you know, when things aren't right. We can't just sit back and say nothing. Um, but. I really would like to say it's how we do it. You know, we can't do it by sort of burning buildings down and to make that statement or whatever. I believe that there's a higher force, really, and and it it takes um, wisdom, you know, um, whether, whether it's prayer, whether it's speaking to people in authority, you know, going to heads of you know, state, you know, um, heads of government, you know, to say, well, listen, we need to be listened to, you know, but there's ways to do it, really. Um, but, yeah, it is a revolution out there, you know, and but we can't just sit back and just allow the system to dictate and control, but there's ways and means for us, uh, especially as black people, to stand up, you know, and not 
wrong is wrong. You know, and you know, we you know, it's a revolution, we have to stand against oppression, you know, and and this is what we have to do, you know. So stand together in unity, you know, as 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 we know, unity is strength. You know, uh, and the city can't um, divide it against itself, cannot stand. So we have to stand and be together and be united as one people. You know, as Bob Marley says, one blood, you know, um, we are we are all one blood, you know. And so, yeah, that's my final message, really, you know, just be encouraged. Um, everyone who's listening today, um, be blessed and not stressed. Okay, thank you so much for being a guest on this week's show. I really do appreciate your time. I welcome that and uh, I thank you so much um, again for allowing me to be on your show. Blessed love. Blessed love to you too as well, brother. We are going to finish with your final selection, Dennis Brown. I hope everybody has a wonderful week. And make sure you're back here next Wednesday. As always, blessed love. Revolution